This is Unfilter, episode 306 for April 28th, 2020. We begin tonight with several states moving to reopen and the urgent challenge now facing America. How to restart the economy without putting more lives at risk. Protesters gathering at a San Diego beach today demanding it be reopened. Several other states set to ease restrictions this week. The race continues to increase testing in this country for antibodies and for new cases. It is a critical moment in the COVID-19 fight and ABC's Marcus Moore leads our coverage from West Texas. Hello, friends, and welcome into episode 306 of your Corona Counseling Cast. My name is Chris, and today we have a lot to get into, don't we? It's just been a heck of a weekend. The weekend was really doing a heck of a job. After weeks of shutdown, the nation is beginning to slowly, if not cautiously, reemerge. Some areas still erupting into protest, but the first beaches and state parks actually begun to open back up. Some barbers returned to work with face masks, of course, and even a few restaurants in different areas of the nation started to get ready to serve customers just with their tables a little more spread apart. But even as some of these states have begun to reopen, there's a patchwork of counties and cities that have different restrictions that are really impossible to navigate. But we will try. I was reflecting on the fact that as of today, my RV, where I am recording and broadcasting the people's history right now, has been parked for 35 days without moving. I got to admit, I have the itch to travel again. And I know I, I, I can't, I, at least not yet. I have to wait still. But it's, um, it's weird. I'm starting to want, I'm starting to get like an itch. Like I want to go to a restaurant with my wife when I, you know, have a weekend evening or something. Um, but it's a small smack. It's a, so I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say it's a small sacrifice to make, but then again, the longer it goes, it starts to feel like I don't know. I, I feel restricted in a way that is new. It's it's an experience that I've never really uh, been through in my life, and I don't like it. And I still struggle with the people that are welcoming it without question. But I understand there's a place for it. But let's but let's not talk about that. That's that's an old story by this point. I can make do. Let's talk about the media's role in spreading just fear and exaggerating certain messages to a point where it really does a disservice on the information delivery to the public. I I have to get on this soapbox for a moment. After last week's episode, when I commented on the absurdity of Donald Trump just sort of shucking and jiving with his uh, cohorts from the uh, Corona Task Force during the press briefing, and then later trying to play that off as a sarcastic question, it just seemed ridiculous. However, from that moment to now, the entire world has gone mad. Just completely bat stew crazy. Let me play a clip to bring you up to speed. I truly do believe the day will soon come when we will heal our land and we'll be able to reopen America and put this great nation back to work. Now, this is what I heard before I recorded the show that evening. This this was all typical. I tune in expecting to get new clips. I thought, okay, it's a new, it's a new day. It's a new press briefing. Let's see what they have to say. They're going to do the Q&A. This should be interesting, especially after that whole try out disinfectant in the lungs situation. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you very much. Mr. President. Mr. President, now that we're 
and they just walk right out. No questions, no Q&A, no, no two-hour marathon. All right, well, that's a surprise. Uh, after the uh, vice president uh, speaks, after Stephen Hahn, the head of the uh, uh, FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, speaks, the president makes brief opening comments. They simply walk out and refuse to answer questions, uh, presumably because the president knew he was about to be bombarded with very serious, important questions about what he said yesterday, which turned out to be a flat a lie uh, as far as ingesting uh, and, you know, various products that could kill you potentially. The exaggeration, you could hear it there with Wolf. So this has gone from, hey, I was asking these guys if possibly there's a way we could use disinfectant internally to I was telling people to ingest Lysol or inject Lysol in the lungs. This is the claims that were made. And the media was relentless with this through the weekend. After weeks in the task force spotlight. Thank you very much, everyone. The fate of the daily briefings now at issue. After an abrupt exit, skipping questions Friday. Aides and allies have encouraged President Trump to do fewer, shorter sessions with reporters. Some had stretched beyond two hours, at times exposing disagreement. It may not come back at all. There will be coronavirus in the fall. Is the assumption here that we don't want disagreement exposed uh, correct? Because to me, one of the values of these press conferences is seeing how my president, he is all of our president of the states, is handling this for better or for worse. And if he's handling it poorly, I need to know that. I need to be informed as a citizen. That's a big part of why I do this show. And for me, it was it was unfiltered access to the president. And you could see how he was interacting with the individual members of the task force. You could even kind of see maybe what their communication and process style of shooting things back and forth was. Informative. Newsworthy. But the media has been fighting to shut these down. I've talked about how CNN and MSNBC and others just stop covering it. And instead, they'll they'll cover Andy Kuhlman, but they won't necessarily cover the Trump stuff, even though one is a governor of a single state and the other is the president of the United States. Because they don't like Trump getting a boost from these conferences. And so every opportunity they have, they've jumped on it and they've blown it up and they've exaggerated it. And they've steered the story away from coronavirus to this crap. And this visceral reaction they have to everything he does and everything his supporters say is what has poisoned the United States since before he was elected. And it's one of the reasons I quit doing the show for a while. Legitimately, I was burned out and done, and I, I learned lessons from that. But, but why I didn't come back after Russiagate, why I didn't come back after Epstein, why I didn't come back after the impeachment, why I didn't come back for the election, was because of this intrinsic partisan fighting where, where there is some sort of... It's like a polarity difference between two types of people, and they are just doubling down. They're not, they're not rising above the partisanship, and they not, they're not even aware of it. The media thinks they're just shit telling the truth, which is obviously a lie because you know it's also a business. And Trump shouldn't have lied with the sarcasm thing. He should have just said, you know, I was just musing with the, with the task force because based on some stuff I had heard five minutes before the briefing, and I thought, hey, you know, maybe this is something to bring up. I was out of material. 
I basically didn't have anything else to talk about, so I thought, hey, let's just bring this up right now. This is kind of how it works behind the scenes. He could have said that. So he feeds into it, too, but the media reacts reacts in a way that's almost like an allergic reaction to the man's presence, and it creates this toxic, toxic environment in our country. And it doesn't matter if it's a war. It doesn't matter if it's a, a virus. They always will do it, and they are relentless. Today, new press secretary Kayleigh McEnany said the president, not advisors, will set the pace. It's entirely his decision, but I believe the president's at his best when he's speaking directly to the American people. Their value under new scrutiny. Thursday, the president asked his medical experts whether UV light and disinfectants that kill the virus on hard surfaces could be used internally to treat patients. Is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost a cleaning? Prompting caution from the Surgeon General and warning from the Lysol brand. This is where the piling on begins. Um, I don't have any reason to know this or not know this, but if I was a smart Democrat operative, I would call up a few supporters and say, hey, call in, call into the CDC and complain, call in and complain. The premise, the premise that the word of the president is so all powerful and reaches so many people that if he even were to suggest putting disinfectant in the body, that that somehow tells people to swallow Lysol. That entire premise is foolish. That's a foolish thing to think. That's a small-minded thing to think. And if somebody actually were to act on that, come on. I don't want to sit here and say it's Darwinism, but let's be honest. If somebody is that stupid... But the other dichotomy that we seem to find ourselves with the media on these types of topics is that you can't trust anything Trump says. He's a constant liar. He gets everything wrong. Nobody respects Trump. People feel foolish around Trump. Look at Dr. Burks's face. Everything's so horrible. Oh, but people follow Trump's words so carefully. The word of the president holds so much authority that people will literally drink bleach if he tells them to. Well, which is it? This is it, the premise is small-minded. It's foolish. It's so easy to pick it apart, and yet it gets so much distance. Prompting caution from the Surgeon General and warning from the Lysol brand. Under no circumstances should these chemicals be ingested. The president said he was misunderstood. But I was asking a sarcastic and a very sarcastic question. I would suggest the media not take him out of context. I think this president has consistently said from the beginning that people should consult with their doctors. And Kelly, no press briefing today, and the president just explained why. Well, Jose, after leading more than 40 of these press conferences, the president tonight tweeting, what is the purpose of these briefings if the media will only ask, quote, hostile questions and refuse to report the truth? Then he says it's not worth the time and effort. Of course, these briefings are about informing the public of the federal pandemic response. Again, the double standard on display there. So the press briefing did go on today it happened it wrapped up not too long ago as i record this so the press briefings are dangerous and harming the public except for when we don't have them then it's the president not informing the public of the federal government's response to the coronavirus and they just wouldn't let up 
Jake Tapper was like a dog with a bone. Literally from Thursday, the moment that that press conference wrapped up until right now, he's still talking about this. The death toll in the United States this afternoon now reaching what was once an unthinkable number. More than 50,000 people in the United States lost to coronavirus. To put this in perspective, at this hour, a month ago, that number was 646 dead. Health experts caution the actual death toll is assuredly much higher than 50,000. Exactly two months ago, President Trump tweeted, quote, the coronavirus is very much under control. In A lot of numbers coming at you here. So let's back up through this a little bit, because I think this is an interesting little game they play. First of all, He's got that melodramatic tone. They've got that amped up music. It's, this is all about setting the stage about what a failure Donald Trump is. What a failure. So let's go through some of these numbers again because it's all a game. Number More than 50,000 people in the United States lost to coronavirus. To put this in perspective, at this hour, a month ago, that number was 646 dead. Yeah, but a month ago, at this hour, it was potentially going to be 200,000. And a month before that, it was going to be 2 million. And it's not like they're not aware that the numbers grow exponentially as it spreads because of the contagious nature of it. So the media, especially the guys like Tapper, who have been reading these numbers every 25 minutes for two months straight, are very aware of how exponential math works at this point. They know how the numbers work. They know what the numbers could have been because they've been reporting on them relentlessly. And they know that while 50,000, it's horrible. Actually, as I record right now, it's over 55,000. It's horrible. But it's not 200,000. It's not 2 million. And they know that. If this was a different administration, this would be a recap of what a success this is. They know all of this as they're recording this. They have to. They're manipulating you, and they're doing it by doing these emotional tugs, throwing these numbers at you, then giving you a date for 30 days. And then the next time they compare something, it was two months ago. And, and, and all, be, all while knowing, completely knowing, that this thing has been changing day by day, and early on, legitimately hour by hour, things were changing. They know all of that, but they're still manipulating you. And they do it on a... <laughs> on a schedule where they make millions with sponsors. At this hour, a month ago, that number was 646 dead. And health experts caution the actual death toll is assuredly much higher than 50,000. Exactly two months ago, President Trump tweeted, quote, the coronavirus is very much under control in the USA. We can clearly now see that was not the case then, and it is not the case now amid this horrific death toll. President Trump, meanwhile, continues to make bizarre public statements, ones at odds with medical and scientific expertise. The president last night suggesting that, quote, injecting disinfectant could be used as a treatment for coronavirus. In response, the official Twitter account of the Centers for Disease Control, Control and Prevention has now tweeted a warning that Americans should, quote, follow the instructions on the product label to ensure safe and effective, effective use. Yeah, whoever got the person at the CDC to tweet that out did a real number because, of course, every single news broadcast has mentioned that. Public statement warning customers to not consume their products. The White House press secretary and the president's factotums in the right-wing media 
claimed that the press was taking President Trump's comments out of context, which we were not. And then this afternoon, the president made their empty defenses of him even less rooted, in fact, when he claimed he had been sarcastic. And he was posing the questions to, to journalists, quote, just to see what would happen, unquote, which is not remotely what happened. Simply put, it's a bald-faced lie. The president wasn't even talking, posing the bizarre question about disinfectants to journalists. He was talking to an official of the Department of Homeland Security who had been talking about how sunlight and disinfectants helped to kill the coronavirus. It's really something to hear a journalist speak like, well, uh, I guess... uh and entertainment journalists speak like this towards this, the president because it's just such a 180 from how they spoke about Obama. Um, and it, that was relentless, relentless, even with the music. And during all of that, there's visuals and they're, they're showing different clips of the press briefing. Bizarre was probably the number one word used across the media, across CNN, across CBS and on MSNBC as well. This was a display of uh, extraordinary ignorance and arrogance uh, that should never have come out of the mouth of the president of the United States. He was clearly not joking. He only, not only did he, did he uh, look at uh, Bill Bryan from Homeland Security, he also was looking at uh, Dr. Debbie Burks, who I thought was just going to fall off her chair from disbelief. I, I can't even imagine what was going through her mind. But nonetheless, there we are, a uh, president being uh, extraordinarily inappropriate and dangerous, actually. You know, anybody now who ends up uh, having ill effects from following any part of what the president was rec- recommending is now on his shoulders. A lot of things now that he's going to be responsible for in terms of the failures of his administration to act appropriately in face of this uh, epi- uh, this pandemic, really. But And you see, they're just laying it on so thick. They bring doctor after doctor on to talk about how dangerous it was for this man to stand up there on the stage and muse about disinfectant in the body. And God forbid somebody mention UV light. In fact, some have even said he must be losing it. Not Joe Biden. It's not Joe Biden that has dementia. It must be Donald Trump. A doctor and more like a, uh, an elderly care nurse to this guy. Like he's running around the house in his pajamas yelling at the TV set. They're not getting to up out of bed until late. I don't know what he's, he's losing it. He's like the grandpa who walks out in the middle of the birthday party with his pants off. And then Dr. Burks's surrogate at the party has to say, oh, grandpa is just liberating himself. Isn't he funny? <laughs> no, you're the funny one. You're so funny. Like that, uh, you know, it's it's scary uh, to to see what's going on in this country. Do you think she's really scared, guys? Do you think uh, Joy Bearheart there is really scared of anything? Sonny, you think that uh, Dr. Burks is is uh, part of the problem? Oh no, isn't this interesting, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, who have been the heroes? Because God forbid any credit goes towards Trump, because he's just a loudmouth talking about disinfectant in the lungs. So anytime there's been any credit, it's been by the hard, good, steady hands of Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci. And not even really Pence has gotten any credit now. But with, with, this, with this media machine, if you stay connected to Trump for too long, they always, always will turn on you. Always. I do. 
I do think she's part of the problem, and it gives me no pleasure to say that. Uh, you know, if you watch uh, that interview with uh, Jake Tapper uh, in its uh, totality, she actually implied that the media was to blame for that story to still be in the news cycle. And um, I believe at this point, Dr. Burks is complicit in what's going on, because uh, when there are times like this, uh, good people with integrity need to stand up and need to speak truth to power. Um, you can't be complicit in a time like this, Dr. Burks. And can't be complicit. You can't be complicit with Trump doing what was it exactly? At this point, the hyperbole is so extreme, you begin to lose track of what's actually happened. You would think that he murdered someone up on stage. You would think that he injected someone with hand sanitizer. It, it's completely become unhinged now. And, and now they're defaming Dr. Burks, who it just a week ago had, was this historic figure who has been the steady hand of presidents for generations. And now now she's complicit with the bad orange man who is killing people with Lysol. It's it's unhinged to speak truth to power. Um, you can't be complicit in a time like this, Dr. Burks. At this point, she is losing um, her integrity. And I um, I'm really surprised and disappointed in Dr. Burks. Oh. Very, very disappointed. Yikes, she's disappointed. Man, that's that's really bad. So she's complicit because if you listen to that Tapper interview in full, she says Dr. Burks in there is complicit with evil bad man Trump. Well, I watched that whole interview. It's pretty much a snore fest. I did manage to grab that spot with this entire context for you, even the awkward pauses, so you can hear how complicit this evil woman is. There was an odd moment on Thursday when President Trump at the briefing mused aloud about whether injecting UV light or disinfectant into the human body as a way to treat coronavirus could be something that you look into. You were sitting right there, as you know. Take a listen. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, you can, which you can do either through the skin or uh, in some other way. Then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or or almost a cleaning? Because you see it gets on the lungs. Dr. Burks, I just want to give you the opportunity right now. What should the American people know about disinfectants and the human body? That's the test right there. You see, you can eat you. Maybe you can't tell because you haven't been watching as much tapper as I have the last few days, but he's already dialed down the rhetoric he used the term musing with the scientists instead of saying lying or all the other all the other hyperbole they've used but this is the this is sort of the litmus test question right here you see this was her chance to shit on trump and this was the test and that's why the view and other uh, on the left are very now like She's complicit. They're all very much saying she's complicit. She's complicit because she didn't she didn't take this softball question. You be the judge. I'll play the entire thing for you. What should the American people know about disinfectants and the human body? Well, first, that was a dialogue he was having between the DHS scientist and himself um, for information that he had received and he was discussing. Um, we have made it clear, and he, when he turned to me, I made it clear, and he understood that it was not as a treatment. And I think that kind of dialogue will happen. 
I think what got lost in there, which very is unfortunate, I think, in what happened next is that study was critically important for the American people. And you say, why was that important? Because we had an MIT study just from a few weeks ago that, that suggests when people are talking and singing, aerosolized virus could be moving forward. What this study showed for the first time is that sunlight can impact that aerosol aerosolization outside. This, this is why we asked right. them to do it. We're trying to understand why people should be wearing masks. You're wearing masks because you could have asymptomatic infection and you will decrease so, your transmission to others. And I think the half-life and the sunlight is very important as we move forward to really understand how we can effectively create decontaminations in different environments. So she's trying to say there, in a long roundabout way, where she tries to burn as much time as possible, because that is a legitimate technique where you're trying to avoid the hard questions as you just run the clock out. What she's trying to do in that long answer is say, what we were discussing, that UV light being out in the sun could have a big impact on destroying the virus, has been sort of overlooked. And that's kind of a key thing, because what she's suggesting is, if you're singing or you're sneezing or you're coughing, if that's outside and the sunlight hits it, it has a better shot of killing the virus versus if you're inside. Again, like I mentioned last episode, the Trump administration is now trying to use science as a reason to reopen the economy and get people outside. It's clever. I don't know if anybody's biting. And so she tried to bring it back to that because that was the fundamental core message they wanted everyone to take away from that press briefing, which it would have been if Trump just had not said the sanitization thing. And if he just then hadn't later said it was being sarcastic, which he just blew it so bad in both cases, he could have just kept his mouth shut, not mentioned, not tried to muse on stage, stop trying to kill time and just wrap it up. But instead, everyone missed that message. But Tabner, I don't think he's really going to let her get away with that. Yeah, no, I, look, I get it. And I understand the importance of that study that the DHS official was discussing uh, from uh, the lab in Maryland about the effect of sunlight on uh, having or even more effectively the, the, the life of coronavirus, the effect of disinfectants on non-porous solids like doorknobs. But that's not what the president was musing about. He was talking about ways to take that science and somehow turn it into injecting UV light or disinfectants into the human body, which, as you know, especially with disinfectants, can be lethal. And the CDC had to issue a statement. Lysol had to issue a statement. Um, I understand that you're taking a generous approach uh, to this when it comes to President Trump musing aloud. But this is potentially dangerous. I mean, poison control centers got calls from people and they had to issue statements saying, do not internally use disinfectants. As a doctor, doesn't that bother you that you have to even spend any time discussing this? Well, I think it bothers me that this is still in the news cycle because I think we're missing the bigger pieces of what we need to be doing as an American people to continue to protect one another. And we should be having that dialogue about asymptomatics. We should be having that dialogue about this unique clotting that we're seeing. And, you know, we're the first country that really had young people to this degree. Italy and Europe is about eight years older than us as a median age. So this is the first experience of this virus um, in an open society 
society where we really can understand what's happening to every different age groups. These are the things that we should be talking about and focusing on. So I think as a as a scientist and a public health official and a researcher, sometimes I worry that we don't get the information to the American people that they need when we continue to bring up something that was from Thursday night. So I think I've answered that question. I think the president made it clear that physicians had to study this. I think I've made it clear that this was amusing as you just as you described, but I want us to move on to be able to get information to the American people that can help them protect each other and also help them understand how devastating this virus is to different age group and different symptoms mm. and different um, comorbidities. Man, can you hear how evil and complicit she is? She is she is really hurting the nation and furthering the bad man's agenda. Um, I mean, geez, like shameful, just really disappointed in her. Well, I would agree with that. I, I would say that I think the source of the misinformation is not the news media on this, but Dr. Deborah Burks, we appreciate your, your, your coming here and taking our questions and best of luck with your job. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you for putting up with the orange man. Thank you, Dr. Debbie. And I don't know where to go from here with this, because to me, this has now become painfully obvious. If he does the press conferences, he's spreading misinformation. If he doesn't do the press conferences, he's preventing information to the American public about the federal government's response to COVID-19. On January 31st, when they clumsily announced a quote-unquote revised travel ban to reduce the spread of the coronavirus, Nancy Pelosi attacked him. She said that this was un-American and that it was probably illegal and that it was an overreach. Trevor Noah on The Daily Show basically made us made a skit saying that Trump, this is all part of Trump's plan to further an agenda to prevent people from ever coming to the country. It's easy to forget that while impeachment is going on, Donald Trump is still in office pushing his agenda forward. And you have to admit, it's a kind of weird system. He's being investigated for high crimes against the country. But in the meantime... It's just like, yeah, just keep doing your thing. It's all good. Like, imagine if other jobs work this way. It's like, Bill, we're pretty sure that you've been drinking and driving the school bus, but uh, until we figure it out, you just keep popping those wheelies, man. We'll, uh, we'll let you know. Yeah, that's the equivalence here, isn't it? That's a fair equivalency. Uh, oh, wait, what? So while the trial continues, Trump is still doing president stuff. And at the top of his to-do list lately is keeping people out of America. <laughs> You see, and it's it becomes the source of ridicule and jokes. And meanwhile, come on down to Chinatown, Nancy says it's not good enough. You should come to Chinatown. Precautions have been taken by our city. Uh, we know that there's a concern about tourism traveling all throughout the world, uh, but we think it's very safe to be in Chinatown and hope that others will come. These very same people are now attacking him for not doing enough. Well, there's one thing, one point of clarif uh, clarification I was, I was wondering. <clears throat> Vice President Joe Biden's campaign told me earlier this month uh, that he supported President Trump's partial travel restrictions uh, on January 31st, blocking foreign nationals from China from coming to the United States. D do you agree that it was the right move by President Trump at the time? Well, let, let's go into the future, okay? <laughs> because she was clearly on record saying very clearly that this was an overreach 
probably illegal and un-American. So let's go into the future. Is the right move by President Trump at the time? Well, let, let's go into the future, okay? Uh, the, actually, tens of thousands of people were still allowed in from China. So it wasn't as it is described as this great moment. Oh, not good enough. Not good enough. You see, she would have done more banning. She would have done more banning, according to her. So it wasn't as it is described as this great moment. <laughs> Just There's no winning here. There's literally no winning. They are sabotaging him regardless of what he's doing. And truthfully, I, I hate this. Because if I talk about this, it makes me sound like a Trump defender. But I want to remind you, it is possible to hold two ideas in your head at the same time, and you can practice it too. But the reality is, the Democrats have been trying to sabotage Trump's ability to lead and go after him in spots that make him emotional since before the election was even over. Well, Jason, let me let me phrase it a little bit differently. Uh, the president's been under investigation since before he was the president. It's been four years now. I mean, the Russia investigation began in the spring of 2016. So for four years, Donald Trump's been under investigation. I'm going to list for you the names of the people leading those investigations. And I want you to stop me, Jason, when I get to somebody you think is really fair and really dispassionate. Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, Andy McCabe, Jim Comey. John Brennan, Adam Schiff, Jerry Nadler. I mean, how would you like to be investigated by that crew? So uh, unfairness, either the reality or the perception of unfairness, has a devastating impact on the person who thinks they're being treated unfairly. And so Trump is watching this new committee be formed to investigate his response. Have you seen Schiff have a, have a hearing on Michael Horowitz's FISA review? Have you seen Schiff have a hearing on... China's response to COVID-19. No, it's all Trump. So if, if he appears paranoid, sometimes you can be paranoid and people really are out to get you. I think it's all payback for Benghazi. I think Benghazi, which Gowdy there was involved with, and really, I guess, the Monica Lewinsky, Clinton stuff. But really, I think it was it was the way they marred the Obama administration down with Benghazi that just became a standard political tool. And the Democrats have taken that and ran with it. But the reality is, we see you. And we're judging you. You're losing people from your party that, if you did the right things, would step into your party. And you're limiting the scope of who can be in that party every year. And we see you doing this. You're not fooling us. You're not getting away with anything. Well, you're getting away with it. But not in the court of public opinion. And there's nothing really, you know, we just passed the one-year mark of Russiagate, of uh, Mueller's final report. We just passed that uh, milestone. And along that released new documents, I think because of a Freedom of Information request that showed that uh, people in the Obama administration and people in the FBI were aware that the dossier was full of crap. They knew it before the investigations even begun. They, they knew it when they were going to get the FISA authorizations, which Gowdy implies there. Nothing done about that. Our entire Justice Department was used as a political tool to attack another party over bogus Russia claims, which 
if you've truly listened to every episode of this show, then you, you heard when the Russian narrative began. You heard all of that develop about how it was coordinated. You can even hear clips of, there's, I would love for somebody to find clips of us. There's a moment in the show where we talk about how the Russia stuff keeps coming up, and this is clearly going to be something that hap- that's used after the election. Man, I would love that clip if you could find that out there for me. And then impeachment. And now it's going to be something around this. Has the administration done a perfect job? Of course not. Would any administration, though? Honestly. If this was in the future a couple of years, because it seems like this is just as likely to happen again. Bill Gates calls it pandemic one because pandemic two probably is likely. We, we have more international travel now than ever. The wet markets haven't been shut down. And as Bill Maher actually made a great point on his show this weekend, which, how, when's the last time I said that? But the U.S. industrial farming markets of chickens and cows are just as bad as these wet markets, if not worse. And we're pumping them full of antibiotics, so eventually they're going to get resistant to something. And we could have our own flu that's transmitted from animals to the human population right here. We, we could be the original. It's, it's China this time in the wet markets. But look at our industrial chicken farming. Where they have to cut their beaks off and chop their legs off so they can't move around. They have to keep them on antibiotics so they stay alive. I mean, you've seen how awful it is. And you've even seen legislation in place that prevents people from whistleblowing on these places. It makes it illegal. It's, it's incredible. It's the exact kind of condition that could lead to something like that came from the Chinese wet markets. It's right here in good old US, US of A. There's probably some in almost every, almost every state, probably not Hawaii. <laughs> I don't know about Alaska either. But I know we got some here in Washington. Would a Biden administration have done any better in that scenario? I don't have any faith that they necessarily would. Maybe, maybe not. But that investigation machine, before it's even over, is spinning up. I'd say give it time. See how this economy stuff plays out. Look into who's organizing these protests. Is the president of the United States connected with advisors who are leading protests around the nation? That seems worth investigating. Look into that. I doubt it, though. They never look into the stuff that actually matters. But I have that itch. I want to get out of here. I just want to. It just makes me all of this makes me want to travel because if you ever heard the term shower thoughts, I, I love a great sometimes I'll go in the shower, you know, and I'll, I'll get these great ideas. And I wish I had like a whiteboard, but of course that wouldn't work. Um, well, that is what driving my RV is like to me after I get settled in and I get on the open road where there's no traffic. It's six. I can sit there for six, seven, eight, ten hours in total silence, just driving and thinking. So that's why I got a little nervous when I was watching the live stream. <laughs> and I have to say, of Governor Newsom's, I mean, God, I really got to quit that. It's not, you know, it's not nice. That's not nice. But when I was watching the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, there you go, Chris, you did it. Uh, and he was uh, taking questions in his daily, because now they're all doing daily, daily live press conferences. And someone asked, a question that's been on my mind with this Northwest pact that they have of the states with Washington, Oregon, and California, and a couple more, which you'll hear in this clip. The question has been, well, what happens, say, if Montana and Idaho start opening up, which they will open up quicker than us, 
Um, what happens if we want to go between state borders? Is anyone going to stop us? Are there going to be police at the state borders? It turns out, yeah. It's not currently planned. Totes possible, though. Hey, Governor, thanks for taking my question. Um, I wanted to ask you about the uh, two new states that joined the regional pack today, uh, Nevada, Colorado, as you mentioned. The governor of Nevada noted how many customers, uh, excuse me, um, visitors from other Western states come to visit Las Vegas, for example. I'm curious to know uh, the regional framework you're contemplating with other governors. Would it potentially include policing the borders between those states, limits on people crossing those borders, depending on how different governors are rolling back or keeping in place these orders? Yeah, I think, uh, look, you scope a potential. Uh, that's a potential. Uh, but yeah, this is how he talks. I can say this just based on my personal conversations. With many of these governors, we have not had that conversation. Uh, so that is not our current scoping. Frankly, our current scoping is on what meaningful modifications look like, comparing and contrasting uh, conditions at the local uh, level, uh, recognizing the regional variants even within our states. Uh, tomorrow, again, we'll be laying out more detail uh, on our roadmap uh, and our specific indicator number five and what the phased-in approach will look like. You'll see uh, conversations that we've had with other governors. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It just is such business jargon. But he gets to it around again. Hold on. Stick with it. I think it is actually kind of informative to listen to how this governor speaks. Probably gives you some insight into what kind of leader he is. Uh, where we have taken uh, some of their counsel and advice and incorporated uh, into the presentation we'll be providing you uh, tomorrow. It's just a proof point uh, of the collaboration and the sharing of best practices back and forth. A proof point of the collaboration and sharing of best practices back and forth. <laughs> I love this guy. Point uh, of the collaboration and the sharing of best practices back and forth. Uh, but look, if we're at a different phase in this and there's other concerns, uh, I imagine uh, that's a scoping potential. So if we're at a different phase of this, i.e. things have moved along and people are getting sick again, I think that's his euphemistic way of saying that then it could potentially be on the table that we start policing the borders. So. There's other concerns. Uh-huh. Uh, I imagine sure. uh, that's a scoping potential okay. uh, of uh, of the purpose uh, of the Western States Compact is some consideration uh, and some collaboration, some heads up, some coordination uh, on something along the lines you suggest, but not at the moment. Kind of sounds like what he just said there is the purpose of the pack is to sort of do that if they have to. That's kind of technically the purpose of it. And then the rest of the time, what they're doing is celebrating their differences. <laughs> I mean, seriously, is what he said in that clip, that they're continuing to talk about how their regions are different and how they have different logistics and different areas of their states and how this state has these areas. Like some of our states has very small areas, right? That's what they've been talking about. And, you know, if they get around to having to enforce uh, borders between states with police officers, you know, yeah, that might come up. But we just haven't scoped it yet. But parts of the other par other parts of their uh, very United States do appear to be scoping, reopening the economy to different degrees. Breaking news out of the state of Ohio. Governor DeWine announcing the reopening of that state's economy will begin on May 1st by allowing non-essential surgeries that do not require an overnight stay, as well as dentist and veterinarian offices to reopen. 
Then on May 4th, general offices can reopen while telecommuting is still encouraged. Manufacturing, distribution and construction businesses will also be allowed to reopen on May 4th. Then on May 12th, consumer retail and services can reopen. Again, the governor of Ohio detailing that state's reopening plan that will begin on May 1st. Even that seems like a long time away. But it gives you time to kind of analyze where things are going because people who are getting symptomatic now have been infected a little while ago and people who were symptomatic a little while ago are either recovering or dying and you need you just need the data to know how that's going to play out. The White House has sort of these different guidelines they've released, which governors don't really seem to be following at all. But in there, you're supposed to go like consecutively for several weeks without an increase in the in the death and infection numbers in any substantial way. Uh, But they're not just kind of they're just kind of figuring it out as they go. You know, who needs a coordinated federal response? That was just for the shutdown, not for the reopening. (laughs) It's totally different. It's totally different. The Paycheck Protection Program, as we talked about last episode, is essentially already all screwed up. Sources telling CNBC that within moments of opening up this morning, the system that the banks use to submit these applications to the SBA called ETRAN started experiencing some technical difficulties and even outages. Now, ETRAN did have some issues last time, something that the SBA had denied at the time. In a statement, a senior administration official told CNBC that the system was actually designed to slow down the application process, saying the pacing mechanism prevents any one lender from submitting thousands of loans an hour into the ETRAN system. If a lender goes above the pacing limit, they will get timed out. Now, questions remain about how quickly the $310 billion might run out. This time, remember, it took less than two weeks for the first round of $350 billion to be tapped out. And focus continues to remain on large companies returning funds. The SBA administrator tweeting this morning, more than $2 billion of the first round of Paycheck Protection Program funding was either declined or returned and will be made available during the current application period. Yep. More than $2 billion of the first round is being returned because corporations, large corporations like Ruth Chris Steakhouse, have been getting publicly shamed over and over again. Listen to the dialogue in the CNBC clip. Is Ford essential? Right. Is it an essential company? Uh, It it would seem to me to be an essential company, yeah. Are they friends with the administration? Are you implying Um, that they're friends with the administration? No, I'm not familiar with the nature of the relationship between that management team right, and the administration, well, Jim. I know. Are you are you saying that those that are are being are being treated better than those that are not? I hope so. That's, isn't that why you elected him? Wasn't that the nature of it? I mean, let's be. I, look, I'm not lamestream. I'm not mainstream. I think Kramer's brain has been completely short circuited by what the market's been doing, and in particular, oil. I think he's just lost it with this whole the whole the way this this paycheck this paycheck protection program has been totally botched in term in, in terms of actually getting money to the right types of businesses totally botched i'm puzzled by who got the aid carnival was extraordinary to me that was an extraordinary story an eye-opening story that made me feel health I just felt so foolish i felt that it was one of those things where the wherever the chips fall and now I don't think that at all. And I think that I'm still trying to figure out who were the bankers that gave Ruth Chris? Who did that? Who gave it to Fiesta? Can I have names? I'd like to know so that if they do go to the supermarket, and I'm sure they have people go for them, I'd love to know who they are. Because they're shameful people. 
They knew what that program was about. They are shameful. And I would love to know their names. And I bet you there are people at those banks that would love to give them to us. And you know what? I'm available at Jim Cramer on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder if you'll get any, any names. Um, JP Morgan Chase gave out a lot of that money. Could tell you that. It, it uh, yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really just, it's salt in the wound because the economy is in such a bad shape. And this paycheck protection program is the exact kind of thing that ideally would keep people employed. The employers could cover the gap while the economy is shut down by the very government that is supposedly supposed to be helping them now. But instead, it's gone to all of these large companies. We saw some really, really crazy movements with oil. Negative $37, which was still hard to believe and understand until you realize that it's a storage capacity issue. And there's nowhere for the oil to go. And what's happening is people are buying on futures contracts. Now, here's the problem. Oil has ticked back up, right? Price has recovered somewhat. You know, it's been hovering around $10, up and down, $13. The issue is, it's going to be time for the June contract soon. The economy isn't reopened, so demand isn't back. It is opening up around the other around around the world too, it, to some degree. But everything's slow. It's going to be a slow restart. It's not like boom, everything's back to full activity. Which means the demand for oil is still very low. So not only has the demand not increased, but our storage capacity hasn't changed. So it, this, to me, is a recipe for another price crash. I mean, most people I talk to believe that June is going to be or could be worse than that May contract for a number of reasons. The price you want to watch on the June contract is $10 a barrel, and I'll tell you why. The Chicago Mercantile Exchange last week kind of quietly raised its margin requirements on the June contract from $6.50 to 10 bucks. So if we break below that, it could start to feed on itself, according to traders that I'm talking to. Again, not saying it will, but it could. So watch that $10 level on June. If we breach that to the downside, you could see this sort of aggressive margin-related action as it just kind of eats on itself because you need to pay, you need to cash. It means you got to sell barrels, which means then the margin kicks in even more. It's this quick downward spiral, which is kind of like what we had. Also, the USO, we've talked about that. A lot. I know Bob Pazani talked about it earlier today. Uh, you look at them, they completely have changed their business model in like four times in the last couple of days. They're basically buying all the contracts or many contracts out this year, not June, which means they've got to sell. They're, they're, this ETF owns about 25 to 30% normally of a current month, a front month contract. They are selling out of June. They were all in May. That could be adding downward pressure as well. And guys, as oil falls, another equity falls. That is Diamond Offshore. Yeah, another offshore company is uh, filing for bankruptcy, another oil company. Well, you know, the more expensive production companies are falling first, as expected. But it does seem like June's going to go through a hell of another kind of uh, rocky oil month. And again, I'm sitting here going, damn, I wish I could hit the road. Never would have been, never since I have owned Lady Jupes would it be cheaper to hit the road right now. Do a show from the road. How great would that be? Well, I can fantasize. Uh, I, I, I would imagine once we are allowed to go out, once we're permitted by my, by my Governor Inslee to uh, resume life, I imagine that it'll stay low for a little bit because there'll still be so, some, there'll be so much damn supply, you would think. Maybe. 
Let's wrap it up. We I got to get out of here. I'm trying to keep it to 45 minutes, but then I get on these soapboxes. I just got to get it out there. But I, I do want to cover some election stuff because I, I think I skipped it recently, and it's good to kind of stay current. Um, my plan is to start injecting different sources and, and stories in here. This has been a ramp up to get us where we needed to be to understand what's going on right now. This is a very special time. So it has created sort of a focusing of the show for a bit. It's not an indefinite thing. There will be a time where the coronavirus, hopefully, is a distant memory. So it's there will be shifts in time. But imagine um, you're never going to forget the pandemic of 2020. Imagine in 2025 or even in 2035 or 2040, listening back to this and getting sort of this blow-by-blow documentation of what this was like. And now we're in the phase where we're trying to get back into business. We're not quite in business yet. Not quite open for business, but we're getting there. Now, this is an interesting phase because once we get back in business, attention will start to shift to the election. And I think the Biden campaign's calculation is they can, if they can ride out these claims of sexual abuse by, uh, I think it's Tara Reid. Yes, Tara Reid, where she says that uh, Joe Biden pushed her up against the wall and fingered her. And then she tried to do something about it, but was shut down. I think their hope is they can ride this now, get this buried, and then move forward. And so far, very, 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 very few news outlets were willing to cover this story. CNN had flat out refused to acknowledge its existence until they were slapped in the face with audio from their own network that may confirm Tara Reid's story. Maybe not confirm it, but at least support it, collaborate it. This is an interesting situation CNN then found themselves. A story that they were pretending didn't have merits and wasn't worth covering, all of a sudden they find themselves in the middle of. That's Totes Ox. ...into the 2020 campaign and why a video from 1993 is part of today's political discussion. CNN national political correspondent MJ Lee joining us now. So MJ, tell us how this video could relate to a sexual assault allegation made against Joe Biden dating uh, to that time when he was a senator. Uh, And first of all, MJ, can you bring us up to speed on the allegation itself? Well, Fred, a woman named Tara Reid, she was an aide for then-Senator Joe Biden in the early 1990s. She recently alleged that Joe Biden had sexually assaulted her uh, many years ago. And CNN interviewed Reid for the first time on the phone last night. And is there corroboration of Reid's story? Well, what's important is that uh, several media outlets, including the New York Times, uh, the Washington Post, they have done some extensive reporting uh, on this allegation and story. Uh, now, I also just want to share that according to the Times, uh, they interviewed some two dozen people who worked with Biden uh, in the early 1990s, and none of them corroborated Tara Reid's allegation. Well, why would they? He didn't finger bang them. That doesn't make any sense. 
They have found documentation that she worked for him. Uh, they also spoke with some other women who had previously also said that they, they felt uncomfortable with some of the physical interactions that they had with Joe Biden, though very important to note, none of them accused him of sexual assault. Well, Tara Reid's mother is a key figure in all of this because she is the one other person that Tara Reid says she told about the alleged sexual assault uh, at the time. Uh, now, she died a few years ago, so she is not somebody who can speak and corroborate any part of this story now. That's why this audio that surfaced matters so much. So I went and got it because they don't have it there. And I want to play it for you. This is Larry King's show around the time that Tara Reid said that she told her mother calling in and asking what to do. We're back. A couple more phone calls on this very important topic. Our guests are former United States Senator Howard Baker, Richard Allen, former National Security Advisor, and Lois Romano of the Washington Post. San Luis Obispo, California. Hello. Yes, hello. Um, I'm wondering what um, uh, a, a staffer uh, would do, do besides go to the press in Washington. My daughter has just left there uh, after working for a prominent senator and could not get through with her problems at all. And the only thing she could have done was go to the press, and she chose not to do it out of respect for him. Or she had a story to tell, but out of respect for the person she worked for, she didn't tell it. That's true. Well, now, but these are the people who do come to the Lois Romanos, right? The mm -hmm. staff worker who says, I want to let you know about what's going this on, either going with my boss or troubled. the guy down the hall. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these people have a sense of obligation. They feel that this public official should be accountable if it's something wrong. They're whistleblowers to the press. Exactly. Why, 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 you're getting nervous, man. Just calm down. It's okay. Now, this the media may be happy with the Biden's camp with the Biden campaign's answers on that being no big deal and that nobody else that knows Joe Biden in the 90s can say that this happened. That's that's a totally acceptable answer. They've accepted his previous answers. That's all fine. Oh, and that that insider connection that the Biden campaign that the Biden campaign has to the very organization who is supposed to help women tell their stories Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the Joe Biden campaign has a mole in this very company. Previous incidents of inappropriate behavior were often chalked down to Uncle Joe being born in a different era. I shake hands, I hug people, I, I grab men and women by the shoulders and say, you can do this. And, and, uh, and whether they're women, men, young, old, it's, it's the way I've always been. It's the way I've tried to show I care about them and I'm listening. Social norms have begun to change, they've shifted, and the boundaries of protecting personal space have been reset. And I get it. I get it. Just as the media were satisfied by this apology back then, it seems they're also taking at face value Biden's denial of the Reid allegations now. He's not faced the scrutiny one would expect since the story broke in late March. Nor did Reid receive the support one might expect when she turned to Time's Up. That's the non-profit organization set up to help survivors tell their stories. Not one time did they talk about the payments that were made to the Joe Biden campaign. One attorney said, we've met as a, a firm and we have decided there is no legal strategy to safely tell your story because it's Joe Biden. It may be worth mentioning that Biden's campaign advisor, Manita Dunn, is managing director of the organization's legal What? Hold on. Let's slow, slow down, slow down, slow down. She talks so fast. I want you to hear that again. Just this piece. Tell your story because it's Joe Biden. 
It may be worth mentioning that Biden's campaign advisor, Manita Dunn, is managing director of the organization's legal fund. Huh, you think? She manages the money. She manages the money. <laughs> wow. You'd think this would stick, but you you just take all of this Trump stuff, you amp it up to 11 about the uh, sanitizer, and then as it kind of begins to fade, you bump the Biden message with a plug. You know, they did it recently with Obama and then Valerie Jarrett and others. But there's been one that I know you've all been waiting for. I know you've been waiting for one very special endorsement. As we go to break, Joe Biden has a brand new endorsement this morning. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is out with this new message. I do whine because I want to win. Today I am proud to endorse Joe Biden for president of the United States because he will be an extraordinary president. He knows how to get the job done. Elections are about the future. Now more than ever, we need a forward-looking, battle-tested leader who will fight for the people. We may need some faith healers. <laughs> so there you go. You just uh, keep the news cycle moving right along. Let's just get that plug in there. Let's get that endorsement. Let's keep that election train going. No concerns about his ability to serve, his fitness for the office, or any potential allegations. We can just paper right over those because it's all about beating Trump. And here's someone who thinks that Trump is a disgusting narcissist. And I have to come across sounding like I'm potentially defending him. When in reality, it's this very sickness that I think is causing the Democrats to lose to guys like Trump. And they didn't go with Bernie. They went with the safe choice. And he's turning out not to be that safe. That's my personal opinion, but I'd like to hear what you think. Join me on the Discord server, Discord, uh, or actually, I'm sorry, unfilter.me slash, I'm losing it. So this is what happens when it goes over an hour. Unfilter.show slash Discord, or you can hit the old email, unfilter.show slash contact. It's now piped into the new Proton Mail. I want to say thank you to Carl C. for sending in the tech details about how the contact tracing on the mobile OSs will work. He says, by the way, the Bluetooth MAC address has changed to a random one every 10 to 20 minutes. So that might help with the MAC address trace, tracing. But he sent me a lot of info, so thank you to Carl. And uh, Proton Mail, if you're not familiar with, is a, it's a, as far as out-of-the-box solution goes, one of the most secure. And it's backed by the fact that it's not based in the U.S. It's based out of Switzerland. So there's certain U.S. government laws <laughs> that they don't necessarily have to follow when it comes to giving them access. Not that I think you're going to send me anything that would be illegal. Of course not. Of course not. But I just want you to know you have the, you have confidentiality. You can also hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Chris LES. The show is twitter.com slash unfilter show. I haven't been mentioning that, but the show does have uh, a dedicated account. So you know when new announcements are, and obviously episodes. But you can also just get the feed at unfilter.show slash subscribe. And if you're thinking about starting a podcast, let me know. ChrisLast.com slash consulting. I can help you avoid years of mistakes. See you back here next time.
mommy needs a joint. You sound like you're on heroin or something. What?